Bonjour, Internet, comme ça, amour et un chien de l'enfer. Je m'appelle Matthew Kroll. Et tu connais la Macarena, je m'appelle Shire Dowd. Uh, it's yet the seul podcast sur les films. <laughs> that's that's right? not bad, that's not bad at all. Well, we're saying it right, say it correct. Uh, et c'est le seul podcast sur les films. Thank you very much. Specifically, <laughs> les films. No, I don't know. <laughs> Titan. I do know. Titan. Titan. Uh, yeah, it, it's Titan. I figured it out. I've been calling it Titan. Yeah. And people like look at me, they're like, okay, that's right. But no, yeah. it's Titan. Yeah, because Titan is ti- titanium. Yeah, yeah. And then uh. Uh, I always remember there was a Dan Aykroyd SNL character. I can't remember what that character's name was, but it was like a New Jersey mobster who sold art. And he was like, I got this great piece from Titian. You want to see some video? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why. I'm just, uh, it's all dad jokes with me uh, all the time. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. Well, welcome everybody to us talking about this film. I, I hope you enjoyed uh, speci- my butchering yeah, of French. Spe- welcome especially to our French listeners today. You would just yeah. be like banging your heads against the wall. If you are our French listener, and I'm guessing <laughs> there's one, uh, email us in onlymoviepodcast, gmail.com. Say uh, bonjour to us. <laughs> because I'd love to hear what you think about what we the the train wreck we just caused with your language. Yeah. I caused. Shahir actually speaks a a, a, a little bit, uh, right? Un peu. Je parle un peu français. Uh, I I I love the French language. I love listening to it. I love. For some reason, I don't know why this is the case, but the French French language. French people write beautifully as well, okay. and I love like seeing the French language written. Uh, but I took you know high school French, and then I spent uh, some time in. Uh, Tahiti as a student, and um, and then I've been to France a couple of times. So, uh, what I've found is that I have passable enough French to uh, ask questions and to kind of know the answers when when you know you know functional kind of like how yeah. do I get from here to here? Where's the bathroom? You know that kind of thing. The uh, only thing I know of, of French because I took Spanish in in mm-hmm. uh, high school, which again I hold so little of anyway, uh, so it doesn't really matter. But the one thing I know how to say pretty flawlessly, I think, and you can judge me in French listener. You judge me is this we la jeune fille je suis la, this is my life this we la jeune fille je suis la jeune fille jeune fille and i think that means i am a little girl okay and i know yeah, that yeah, yeah that's true and yeah. i know je that because do you remember Ufie. do you remember the commercials for the vhs cassettes for an animated language course for children called muzzy no, actually, right? Oh yeah, I and think the that's little girl we, says, "This is la jeune fille," like <laughs> and like I. It, it was and, always and is, yeah. It was always on, and so I learned that phrase before I knew what it was. And then I asked a French friend, and I was like, "Oh, cool! Like I know how to say one thing, <laughs> one very situational thing." In our in the tapes that we would listen to to learn French, and these are cassette tapes, mind you. So we are old as fuck. Mm. Uh, it was always like, "Bonjour." What do you know? I just remember that phrase oh, being revealed. What do you know? And you what would have do to you like, know? you'd have to like, uh, you'd go from there, and that was always the the indicator of a new, of a new class. Yeah, I, I actually had my proudest uh, moment uh, when we were having some food delivered. The driver, uh, the, the delivery person, uh, spoke only Spanish. And Shivali was uh, freaking out because she couldn't like say anything to him, and she didn't understand. You know, he didn't understand her, and she didn't understand him. Right. Um, and uh, I, I can't remember what I said, but I, I broke out something in Spanish. Um, and I'm trying to think what I, I basically said. Wait outside for a minute, por favor, or something like that. Uh, uh, Uno momento a la casa, por favor, or something, something along those yeah. lines. You know, it was like broken Spanish, but it was like. The guy understood me for a sit, you know, and was like, okay, cool. And I was like, uh, uh, it was just my proudest, like, I don't know this, la- I don't know Spanish at all, but I, I you know. Uh, you pulled was- off a functional interaction with a stranger and they didn't look at you like you were a madman. Yeah, for a second, I think what that what he thought was, this person doesn't know Spanish. I'll just wait here so as not to embarrass them. Oh, well, that was very <laughs> nice of that person. See, yeah, yeah. look, language is bringing people together in small moments that that you'll remember and he probably doesn't yeah obviously uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> well before we get into uh titan i believe uh shahir you have curated a fine list of the most exquisite emails oh the emails um, yes how do you that, say that in french 
email. Ah, well, <laughs> email. Uh, can't win Zoom. them all. Do yeah. you want to do the first one? Or you want me to do the first one? Uh, I'll take the first one if you want. So again, thanks it. to everyone writing in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com to uh, tell us your thoughts on going to the movies, Dune, and a few other things. Um, Zach writes in. Zach, of course, is the Topam historian. Uh, That's right. Uh, glad to hear from you, Zach. Hope you're doing well. Long time no email. Um, by the way, I had to truncate these emails just a little bit just to get us through these. As much as theaters are resurging over the past few weeks, I think we, as a film going public, have to sit down and have a discussion over theater's place in the medium. Okay, as as I, I am respect- sitting down. I'm sitting down. As much as I respect people's decision to not see films in public theaters right now, thank you very much, that's what I do, I do take issue with production companies and their cowardice towards putting Ooh. films in theaters. Ooh. As we, as the film going public, need to choose a path, like one of those pick-a-path books, can we allow theaters to return to full force and attempt to bring the magic of theaters back? Or... Must we take a token sacrifice in order to further the lines of pockets of corporations for the convenience of watching it at home? I know what my answer is, but it's up to us, the people, and their wallets to make a difference. Kind regards, Zach, uh, a.k.a. the Topam Storm. P.S. Stephen Buscemi's last episode was the Lego Movie 2 in 2019, oh, not Whiskey Tango Frax Rock in 2016. P.P.S. Small fun fact, Steve is the second most podcast, uh, has the second most podcast appearance behind Jess Tucker and barely beats Jamie by two. Small wow. Fun. Good go. fun facts. Thank you, Topham Historian. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, Listen. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's true. I mean, the the it, I am I am a high proponent of voting with your wallet. Okay. Um, and it sounds like sounds like Zach has has made the choice, which I'm guessing means like not streaming films and going to see them, which again, is is totally fine, and I I, I, I applaud anyone voting with their dollars in that way. Right. Um, I think, weirdly enough, mm-hmm. I think the movie going experience for me personally was dying before the general one was dying right. before the pandemic. Right. Um, the quality of everything from the experience to going uh, to the, the understaffed theaters to projection, not being on par or, or working entirely or marks on screen. Like there, and again, I'm going to some different New York movie theaters, but like, um, I would only really enjoy going to the to the movie movies if, if it was like an opening night blockbuster nonsense Marvel thing, or like a smaller movie at like the Angelica, or or something along the where like at a place where they like legit give a shit about what's going on. Right. Um, I would argue that the mainstream movie industry sort of like the the pandemic hit it and hit it hard, of course. There were cracks in the armor before the that blow was taken. Right. And uh, now, I mean, the the way that is easiest for most people is to just watch it in their houses. And and, and look, I don't think you're going to get the same feeling. I don't think that's possible. Hmm. Even with Sheer and I have great setups, it's not the same thing. Yeah. Um. I again, I went and saw Dune in IMAX, and it blew my mind. And like I and I don't think that would have happened on my projector at home. I just don't think it would have been the case. It's it's right. it's it's honestly I think for me it's less about the theater itself and more the ritual of leaving my apartment <laughs> and going to a place that is solely dedicated to doing this one thing aka seeing a movie. Right. Um, my living room is home to a lot of things. Movies, TV, video games, my cat's pooping. So mm-hmm. like that like it's all like it's the same thing, but when you go to a certain thing, Shahir, you've even talked about it before. Like uh, the theaters are kind of like your church. Movies are a little bit like your religion. It is a it is holy ground where you go to do this one thing. Right. Um. So I- I'm glad Zach, you're voting with your wallet. I I, I feel like I'm just uh, a bit of a. I, I like them both for different reasons, right. and in a in a hectic schedule of not having enough time to do literally anything, yeah. Um, that I'm thankful that I can stream like uh like Titan. I I watched at home. Yeah. I, I and I'm lucky enough to live in in New York where I probably could have seen a screening of it if I did want to go out. Yeah. Uh, Cheer. What what do you think about all this? Uh, 
Look, I am not going to the movie theaters for a number of reasons because uh, I have an unvaccinated child, although that should change uh, hopefully in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my next emails will talk about a situation that I would actually really enjoy in terms of going to see a movie. And I am con- now that I have like, I, by the way, I got my booster shot. Um, oh, nice. Uh, so now I'm kind of like contemplating, ooh, what, you know, like I would like to go to like an early morning movie where there's probably not too many people in the theater for a movie that probably is not going to be, you know, over populated yeah. um so I, I i that idea does appeal to me and i certainly agree with everything you're saying about the movie going experience i will say a couple of things one is as a movie lover i think the movie going experience is one part of the experience but it's not the only part because there are a number of movies i've discovered and love passionately that i've never had an opportunity to see in a theater um while i would have loved to experience them in a theater um, I think my love for them is not diminished because I have not seen them in the theater. Um, so, so I, I think as a as a movie going public, you know, you should pick what works for you. And and right now, for me personally, going to the movies doesn't make sense. I'm happy to pay a premium to watch something at home, and I certainly don't want the movie going experience to go away. Now, what Zach is specifically talking about is uh, studios that are opting to stream movies at home um, in order to. Uh, further the revenue that they would ordinarily get. Um, and I, in a time when people aren't going to the movies, and I, I actually, I don't think that is cowardice, as I think it was described, and I don't think that is, that is um, uh, a sort of zero-sum game in terms of, like, you have to do one or the other. Yeah. Um, I think there's just a calculation that needs to be made. And and also the, the, the inverse of this sort of thing is that we see is that a movie like Titan, for example, is not going to get a wide release. You know, like if, if, if it's over to corporations, they're going to be putting um, a Marvel movie uh, in every screen, in every, you know, theater uh, all the time because that generates the most revenue. Any Disney product is going to do that. A children's movie is going to do that. So a film like Titan is not going to get as much eyes in a movie theater as, uh, as something else. So... You know, this this sort of discussion about a studio's um, favoring of one over the other is, is kind of part and parcel with what being a studio is. And there are pros and cons to this all the way down the line before the pandemic, uh, when, as you say, movie theater experiences were dying anyway. Um, so it's 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 a, it, to me, it's not a cut and dry kind of situation where we should vote with our dollars kind of thing. I think the situation is fluid, ever-changing. Uh, there's ups and downs to this whole thing. I personally am benefiting from the fact that I can see movies at home, and there are a lot of movies I can see at home, and I have a great setup to do it. Um, that's not the case for everybody. Um, and so I'm aware that there's a downside for everybody else. It, it's very complicated topic um that uh is is exacerbated by the pandemic and has been accelerated the the sort of trajectory of where it's been hitting in terms of home streaming has certainly been accelerated by the pandemic in the next five years will kind of play out what movies mean you know there's a wes anderson movie right now in theaters that i would love to see in a movie theater and i think maybe 10 years ago a wes anderson movie in a movie theater would probably be kind of a big deal um right now i it's barely finding anyone to talk about it. The only movie that people will talk about in a movie theater is another movie starring Timothy Chalamet called Dune, which is, you know, a $160 million movie. Um, it is and on, what it is. on that you know? note, it's funny. I'm seeing a lot of, you know, I'm seeing a lot of movie advertisements now only in theaters. Right. Like, yeah. it, I'm, I'm getting sick of it. Like, I, I, that's great that that's the thing, but, like, they're trying to use only in theaters as, like, a selling point for it, but it's like, yeah, that's how it always was before. Like, it's it's fine. I think like, Warner Brothers has has changed their streaming window um, or their distribution window. Where I, I I think it's going to a shorter distribution window now. Um, so it's all changing. It is all changing. You know. Yeah. Um. But but Zach, thank you so much. It was good hearing from you after so long. Yes. Uh. Next up is from Steve. <laughs> Uh, Steve writes, last night I checked out The Duel, or sorry, The Last Duel in theaters, and wow was I blown away. Not only did I get uh, the theater practically to myself, but it was also Bargain Tuesday, so it made for a fun night out at the movies. I love Bargain Tuesday. Uh, That's me saying that, but I guess Steve does as well. Going back to the email, Ridley Scott really knows how to do a period drama well visually speaking. It was incredibly brutal, violent, and intense. I loved the story and its structure. The characters grew deeper and deeper until the ending payoff. 
the trailer didn't do this film justice because there's a lot it can't give away. While I enjoyed having a mostly empty theater, I will say I wish more people were going out to see this movie, but it's not for kids, and mostly kids are heading out to the theaters these days to see big blockbuster action movies from well-known IP. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Um, I'm glad you had that experience. I I, I feel like um, it's funny. The last the last film I saw, I think we might have saw Sheer. I'm not. I don't want to speak for you. Uh, before the pandemic was Last Cow. First cow. First cow. First yeah. cow. Well, last first. First. Yeah, the the, last, the last cow, cow we saw was the happened to be the first cow. In the America. first cow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, or the first cow in the West. Yeah. And um, and I feel like, and again, not the same style movie as as this Ridley Scott as the Last Duel, but um, it was one of those movies where like the theater wasn't that crowded, and I was like, this is so great. Like, I really wish more people would go see this, but also it's nice. It's not crowded, and like yeah. it's like that back and forth push and pull. Uh. Uh, again, though, then it can go the other way. I did go see, I had two hours to kill in Manhattan one day, mm-hmm. and I went to go see uh, Venom Let There Be Carnage, and mm-hmm. it was a near-empty theater, and I was like, man, I wish there were people here to laugh at this with me, <laughs> uh, but no one was, and I cried alone. Um, so, yeah, I, I think depending on the movie and what your goal is for it and like wanting others to see it, that's another big thing too. But the sort of number of who's around and, and the, the experience there definitely uh, is all subjective to what the, what you're trying to get out of that current moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, uh, last deal is, is uh, sort of this really interesting um, phenomenon, which is that it is a Matt Damon and Ben Affleck scripted film. their first since Goodwill Hunting uh, directed by the one of the sort of great living filmmakers, Ridley Scott. Uh, and it's a movie that I believe made $4.5 million at the box office in its first opening week, despite scoring really highly with cri- uh, critics across the board. Um, uh, it's just the nature of what people are willing to see at this point. And, you know, this conversation that we had about the way in which the Disney Marvel kind of thing drowns out other Top, you know, other films that aren't in that universe. I think this is a really good example of that. Um, uh, this is a film that, unfortunately, not a lot of people went out to see. Not a lot of people would go out and see, and 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 apparently, it's very, very good. Um, at the same time, uh, I, I, you know, I, I mentioned back to Steve that you know Ridley Scott's a little bit hit or miss for me. Um, I recall Mr. Scott uh, at one point talking about why he couldn't cast uh, an Arabic person in the role of Muhammad in uh, or in, in in his film about Exodus, Gods and Kings. Jesus. Um, you know, so it's, again, complicated subject, one yeah. that has a lot of fluid uh, moving parts to it. I'm glad The Last Duel did well. I um, wish we lived well. in a time that I could go see it in a movie theater uh, and not be concerned about my health. Uh, I will definitely, uh, on the basis of this recommendation, make a point to see it uh, when it comes out uh, for a home video. This is a good example of a film that should immediately, you know, like, I, I know deals are struck uh, in a way and cannot be changed, but this is a great example of a movie that should be on VOD right away because it it scored really well with critics and just nobody went to see it in a the theater. So the first thing they should have done was try to change that deal and yep. get it streaming as quickly as possible. And get it on, get it on internet eyeballs too like i haven't really seen much for this maybe it's just not in my algorithmic profile or whatever but i haven't seen much for this advertised at all i don't watch standardized cable anymore or broadcast television so like i don't know what's going on there but like i don't know like throw some throw some money behind a huge uh, influx of youtube ads or something like uh, that that might be something to do as well or and then generate hype before you actually bring it home also, um, it's a, yeah, the the demographic that cares about a Ben Affleck and Matt Damon reteam, um, you know, is 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 a very different demographic. Yeah, than, I guess you know uh, that cares. But uh, I think the one thing, if you if you're interested in this film and and like interesting for the memeability of it, is look up the last deal haircuts. Uh, that's yeah, all I'll say. Silly. You'll you'll see a lot of fun stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, take us home with the last email, also from uh, well, uh, Stephen. Uh, Stephen, uh, I haven't been able to see Dune yet. Stephen's writing us from the uh, uh, Southern Hemisphere, not uh, in theaters here until December the first. I first read the book when I was eight or nine, and I never really liked it. I didn't hate it. There's just a lot of bitter <laughs> stuff out there. Dune was like mainstream boomer pop music. It was in every bookstore. Some sci-fi shelves were only Dune books, and everyone was told if they wanted to, to try sci-fi, try Dune. I, and this is Stephen talking, meanwhile, as a young punk, was cruising for the fringes for sci-fi, looking for stuff that was a bit more edgy. 
While I fully expect to enjoy the spectacle, I can't see myself liking any adaptation of the story, as I just don't have any emotional investment in the story. There's so many better stories out there now, and I sort of wish that they would make more of those. Uh, Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, uh, I will say this, Stephen. Let us know what what was the what was the sci-fi that you like found and really like related with. Like, was it like Neuromancer? Was it Gibson shit? Or like, was it was it like even more sort of uh, esoteric that we don't even know about? And yeah, I'm not much yeah. of a sci-fi reader, so uh, you wouldn't have to go very far. I haven't I'm read just curious. Dune. So Dune, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny, Stephen. I I had a similar experience the first time I went through Dune. Um, I, I was a nerdy kid. Oh, there's, there's a surprise, and um. And my friends talked about it, and I tried reading it, and I was like, eh, whatever. Like, kind of felt the same way. And then I went back, you know, four or five years ago, whatever it was, and I did it again, and I was like, oh, oh, shit. Like, yes, the the tropes feel dated, but I think even, Shahir, uh, you brought this up. It's like, it's it feels dated because everything took from it. Yeah, like it, like, yeah, it influenced it's, everything. It's a progenitor... But it's only getting its blockbusterness now. So the, there's there's things about it. It's like, oh, this story feels old. You put some um, respect in David Lynch's mouth right now. <laughs> uh, but no, um, I'm just curious what you what you found and what you sort of um, what you sort of vibed with, uh, because I, I'm always interested in that stuff. Um, there's also, I mean, there you know, like TV, for example, you know, like Foundation uh, coming out right now, Wheels of Time. Uh, there is a there is places to find other interesting sci-fi. Uh, out there but you know like yeah there's still these great i think it was if scott fitzgerald who was talking about his adaptations there's still the great books are still out there and there's still really interesting work in sci-fi uh someone that i'm working with right now recommended a series of books called accelerando uh mm. that i will start and i'm not much of a sci-fi reader but they were so enthusiastic about it so i've got to like it's three books and i gotta like start on these things at some point um i've, I've purchased them and we'll start uh reading uh, thank you everyone that emailed us in um, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod I apologize in advance uh, we were scheduled to do uh, a Spanish film this week one of my favorites Itu Mama Tambian uh, but unfortunately because of scheduling conflict we had to push that one out uh, and we we did a uh, uh, we called an audible audible and, deci- uh, and decided to go to the French cinema we said instead. hey audible we're not talking about books <laughs> yeah. stop trying to hire us to talk about books we know we did do and we're talking about the movie dune audible Duh. and then and then they hung up yeah audible. Uh, and we wondered if we made a mistake uh, so my uh, speaker said uh i'm sorry i don't know what you're saying <laughs> yeah, it's like they said please stop calling here again you called us and i was like oh yeah that's right i'm sorry can uh, uh, the, as much as i never enjoy these the imd synopsis I heard what the IMDb synopsis was for Titan, and if it is the thing that I think it is, oh no, it's not the one that I think. It is. Oh no, 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 never mind. Oh, well, uh, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read you what it is, though. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I, I know you're such a fan. I'm not gonna read it in broken French, though. Okay. Following a series of unexplained crimes, a father is reunited with the son who has been missing for ten years. Titan, a metal highly resistant to heat and corrosion with high tensile strength alloys. You know, uh, what I had heard is just the synopsis was just that last sentence. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to look, I'm looking forward to this. Like, just, just to have Titan, a, a middle, just to say, what's the synopsis of the film? A middle, highly resistant to heat and corrosion with high tensile strength alloys. I was like, that would be cool. I would it, be into so that. this is a, this is a real bad, bad, bad job, IMDB. What? I, I, bad. Why? I, well, what's bad about it? Like... I, what what I want from these things, if 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 one day, uh, our, our Lord and Savior IMDb says, Matt, you know what you you're so you're so you know glib about our stuff that we write. Why don't you take a crack at it? You take this job. It's like when like the devil gives you the keys of the kingdom and you try not to turn evil. Yeah. Uh, no, IMDb is not evil. The um, I just what I want out of these things is a thing to entice me. And explain a little bit about the movie and give me the vibe. Right. This doesn't give me the vibe. This gives me a third of a plot point. And like it doesn't it doesn't draw me in. It's like I, I read it as if it's kind of like busted. Right. Uh Anyway, that's just what I want. But then also, the, the darker evil part of me does want them to be bad so we can talk about it right now. <laughs> oh, so God. I Which guess I that's love working. Every yeah. episode, I love doing that. Um, 
This, this is my Criterion Corner, you hear? Yeah, it is. Uh, this is the new film from Julia Docarnau, uh, whose previous film, Raw, kind of took the world by storm. Uh, and this, uh, no less, won the uh, the prized um, uh, Prix de Cannes uh, at the Cannes Film Festival, the Grand Jury Prize. Um, famously uh, misannounced by Spike uh, Spike Lee this year, um, but this is this is a movie that came in hot out of Cannes along with Leo Carax's Annette. Uh, Annette uh, is playing right now on Amazon Prime, and I think once it had its moment, uh, is so, sort of slowly faded out of the conversation. Titan, I believe, is remaining in the conversation because of how outrageous it is. Um, and I think when we talk about the film, I, I would love to get our first impressions of the movie. Uh, just off the bat, um, but I would love to kind of help situate this film uh, in a sort of historical context so that we understand what type of movie we are watching. Um, I think that is going to be my goal with this conversation in some way. But besides that, I mean, part of the pleasure of a film like Titan is unleashing it upon someone and unsuspecting eyes and seeing what they make of it. Matt, I don't know how much you knew about this movie or knew what this movie was about, um, but I'm curious what your first impressions were of Titan. I saw two images when you called it up. It was funny. I, uh, when you, when you, we called Audible and said, we're doing Titan, and they said, stop calling us. <laughs> um, the image of her on the car. Yep. And the image of the kid with the neck brace. That's it. That's all I had. All right. Uh... But I quickly got on board. Uh, This is a movie that I think, well, it's funny. For different reasons, um, the beginning and end are very difficult to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, There's extreme violence and um, uh, not a lot makes... Uh, full logical base through line sense through some some portions of it. I'd say the emotional cores of the or the emotional tenets m- make more sense than your average film, but the moment to moment through line plot, what's actually happening, makes zero sense. So it evens out. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I I really enjoyed the experience uh, of watching this movie. I because I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know. It was one of those movies that it kept like hinting at what I thought it was trying to say, and then it was kind of like, well, yes, and, and continuing on with a different sort of thing. The three uh, the, the three things that I, I sort of took away from it, uh, the themes anyway, were uh, bodies, gender, and families. Okay. Like, and we'll get into sort of pieces of that before, and, and then a sort of overall context of love in a in a in a... Um, in in a broader sense, that actually the director at one of the New York screening uh, screenings, uh, I just watched an interview with her. She was talking about how that was like a core tenant, mm-hmm. um, and, and that was really interesting to me. Uh, I thought it was beautifully shot. I thought the setup was nice and quick. I like there was just a hint enough of like, oh, okay, well, this is I guess why this is happening until like it goes off the rails, and then you're like, oh, so this is instead of, instead of it's like you never think after that first moment. Why is this happening? You just start going, oh, this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know. I thought it was very well done. I will say this. I really enjoyed watching it. I don't know. I like, I don't think I'll watch it again. Right. Um. I almost feel like part of this film's strength is, and this is going to be obnoxious to say on on the only podcast about movies, but like is the emotional resonance of it. And I feel like the more I dive in, the less I might have. Hmm. Um, That might not be the case. I could be wrong, Hmm. Um, but I I was, I was quite impressed. Uh, This, this is one of those movies that like, it's funny. It fell into for different reasons the same kind of category as the game, like uh, the David the, Fincher movie. Yes, because because the game is a movie that I enjoyed intensely, but I like I've only watched once, and I was like, yeah, this movie is great once. This movie's phenomenal once. 
I, mm. I don't want to watch it again. Hmm. Um, not for the same reasons, but it's just there's only a few films I can kind of think of that are like that. And I, I cherish the game, and I actually think I will cherish watching this movie and my emotional reactions through it and the moments of disgust and surprise and and sort of rawness through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is it's not an easy movie. Uh, uh, it, it makes you work for it. And I'm not mad at that. Uh, yeah. Sheer, what about you? It's funny you mentioned the game. It's like the game is a movie I think I've watched 30 times. We've talked <laughs> about this. Yeah, and, yeah. and I will I will just watch that movie on on the drop of a, you know, at the, if you said we're watching the game, I'm like, you're damn right we are. Uh, <laughs> it often gets me in trouble in sports bars when people say we're watching the game. And I'm like, yeah, David Fincher, Michael, Michael Douglas, let's do this. And that's not usually what they're talking about. Anyway. And then Amazon hangs up and takes <laughs> us off their, their call list. Um, I... I think there's a thing that happens with a movie like this that when it comes out of uh, Cannes and wins the Palme d'Or, which is that winning the Palme d'Or at Cannes signifies a film's importance. Mm -hmm. It's a a signifier, like winning the Oscar, of its... um, it's it is a it is a movie of importance to filmmakers and critics, and whether that will translate to audiences is, is a unexpected is, is an uncertain thing. I don't know many Khan filmmaker uh, films that have actually uh, done really really well with audiences, um, you know, to, to become sort of popular hits. Um, but so I think I think as soon as a film comes out of Khan's and wins the Palme d'Or there is a way to read it that becomes different. And it's there. there's something interesting about that because I thought this film was hilarious. And, <laughs> you know, like, his, and, and and while there is a lot under the surface of this movie, or under the hood, if you like, um, wow. in terms of wow. what it's doing with gender, violence, um, uh, binaries and non-binaries, um, I also think it is a film to be enjoyed at its absurdity and you know like to actually just roll with kind of how ridiculous isn't the word but like how absurdist it is it just this movie turns on a dime from one narrative to the next uh and becomes entire you know like the 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 midway point of what these two story what what essentially the two stories of these films are uh the turning point for that is so unexpected and such a sort of uh act of um active narrative contrivance that that kind of wheels us into this different world um it's very difficult to talk about this movie without spoilers so i think once we once we get through our first impression um we will spoil it but i i just i think the movie is hilarious and i think it's like it's really sharply funny and like silly and beautiful and and um it has it has uh, a heft to the humor that it is that it is it is playing for um and I, I found it kind of mesmerizing to watch, to be honest with you. I was, I was pretty, uh, I did put it on very late at night and it was one of those ones I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I cannot uh, turn away my eyes at this thing yeah. uh, because I'm enjoying this so much. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I, I saw Julie Docano's, uh Raw just a few weeks ago. And that was a film that I felt was more on the nose in terms of what it was trying to do with um body horror and and you know essentially uh, a coming of age body horror story uh about a young woman discovering herself and uh i you know it's 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 odd to say this but i have seen that film before and i've seen the extremities of that film before particularly from a new french extremity film that uh, i'll talk about a little bit later um mariana devan's dalma pur uh in my skin which is <laughs> When I say so, so Julia Decona's Raw is about a is about a uh, cannibal cannibalism, and to say that I've kind of seen another movie about cannibalism that hits the same notes is sort of an odd thing to say, but I have. Well, and, you have a type. <laughs> yeah, I have a type. Um, so I I think this movie is delightful, and I think it's hilarious, and I think it's really, uh, really fun, and uh, and, and I I there's a part of me that. Not, not. I, I admire all the success and the sort of um, the think pieces that will be written about this film, but I also think there's something kind of fun and punk rock and transgressive to where it's like just throw it on and see where you go with it, kind of thing. Well, it's definitely punk rock and transgressive. No, no, no question. I am shocked and and in awe that you're using words like funny and hilarious. I, I, I thought it was so funny. 
I, I was like, I, I just thought, like, we did should get, not. Yeah. I mean, that's not that, and and I'm not saying that in a in a in a slight term. I'm yeah. I'm I'm saying that as a compliment. I I took this movie incredibly serious in its in its absurdity. Right. Like I never once laughed. Right. Like really. So I I just I found I found the murders funny. I found. Oh, I didn't. I found the the the. I mean, okay. Let's do spoilers from this point forward. Yeah. Hey, I think everyone. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. So uh, don't say we didn't warn you. Exactly. We 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 did. So let's talk about car fucking. I think car fucking is so funny. It's it's hilarious. Like I so, thought, it, and I thought it was played for comedy. In oh, a, I like, did not. There's scene w- with the car jumping around on its like uh, on on the what, what is that thing? Called? Hydraulics uh, on the hydraulics as she's having sex in it, and then she sort of like wrapped her hands up with the seatbelt. I thought that was so great. But I just, it's shot, I just, I, but it's I loved shot. It. <laughs> oh, no, and I, I, I'm and I I I that scene was hyper effective for me as well, but I didn't find it funny. I found it like terrifying and sexy like i didn't like it, it two two flavors that probably don't normally go together mm-hmm. like i i didn't find it funny at all by the time it just showed the car going in the hydraulics although it did cut to the inside <laughs> every once in a while i just i think that's hilarious oh no, i was i was i was jaw agape yeah uh, uh w- like worried and concerned really? and 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 didn't know See, and I I do want to put it, this. This also a, comes after a after a uh, a character sexually assaults our main character Alexia, and mm. then she kills him. And she goes on a and then goes on a murderous rampage. Yeah, uh, which I was, which again I found very funny. No, no, that <laughs> I, was I've, sad and terrifying <laughs> to me. Uh, I guess I want to put it in the context of uh, movies that I've seen that I kind of played at in. Or, or I guess you know the position where I come from, which is that uh, I, I I feel like I've seen transgressive movies, and I enjoy films that are transgressive. I I enjoy films that push the boundaries of what are morally acceptable, and and I think this film is really pushing those buttons and doing it very well. Uh, I think this plays exactly like a Takeshi Miike film from the '90s, you know, like his. Um, 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 Dead or Alive series, or mm. uh, something like uh, the Happiness of the Katakoris, which are, you know, feature murder, brutality, you know, death, uh, but are you know firmly with a little bit of their tongue in their cheek. Uh, and then I found by the time she's on a murderous spree, I, I didn't view this as a morality tale uh, of any kind. I just saw it as a kind of absurd, a, a theater of the absurd, and I, well, I really enjoyed it i didn't yeah. see it as a morality tale either i mean you you can't you you i don't think a film that sets up its main character like this and is supposed to be the character you eventually sympathize with and, and move forward with throughout the narrative can be a morality tale and wow they did it i don't think that was the point or what they went for i i saw the spiral of this person and and it really shook me and made it f- believable that this person, this person, this utterly, you know, lost, broken, monstrous. somewhat uh, monstrous <laughs> yeah, human monstrous. being. Yeah. Like, it's not even like a redemption arc. Like, how, how, how can you, movie, make me feel for this beast? Yeah. And it did through the second half. Yeah. And I think that's part of the exercise. And I, I guess, I guess it's funny. I'm not, I, I, I hope my tone's not coming across um, confrontational when I sound so shocked that you find it funny. Like I believe me when it's, when we start a sentence, the first spoiler sentence of this review is let's talk about car fucking yeah. like that, like intrinsically yeah. <laughs> the, discussing this film is, it sounds silly. Yeah. I, I have to keep reiterating. I did not have a silly moment in my in my viewing of this entire thing. It was dark and emotional and raw and terrifying and sad and lovely and 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 again, I, I, uh, and maybe this is just sort of this different side of the coin we fell on. I found watching this film hard, mm-hmm. but not because it was bad, because it was great. Yeah. Like 
um, the 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 twist that it's not even a twist. It's just the the story flows. Yeah. Um, uh, to escape her murder rampage. <laughs> It's, uh, I still think it's funny. I, can't. I think it's funny now. I, 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 I think it's funny that she decides to dress up as uh, the potential uh, long lost child of a uh, of a per- of a child that is uh, you know, and then and hope to find that person's father and be taken in by that. I, I it's so absurd. I think it's I think it's hilarious. But it's also no more absurd than anything else that has happened thus far in the film. So like, I'm still on board with the emotional like punch yeah. of it. Um, and I, but I do agree with you that that it also why I think the movie has weight to it and why I think it does well is that it is not built upon just the absurdity of those moments. Those moments do have a kind of um, philosophical underpinning to them that that for me at least allows me to enjoy them while also seeing what the comedy was making fun of and and i think the comedy is making fun of this transgressive idea of like this female character who kills indiscriminately uh including her parents at one point um and then you know like goes on this like absurd journey to redemption and i think i i just i think that that is <laughs> oddly delightful i don't, well, again i don't i don't even know if there's truly redemption in it um but again that's neither here nor there uh, there's humanity found yeah. in a monster. Yeah, and and and, and there was something. I think. There I think was maybe the other I... thing is as well as I didn't think of this as I, I think at all times I felt like I was watching a filmmaker push my buttons or or tr- you know like act transgressive. I don't feel like I was watching a real character. I felt like I was watching an absurdist tale. Oh, I did not. I felt yeah. like a real character. Yeah, like, so so that may be uh, the I, difference I mean, there. They, they could be real characters and have their tale be absurdist. Like yeah. I, I don't think that those are necessarily separate things. Um, the the it's interesting. The the humanity of characters start showing through in this movie as their body or behavior with their bodies becomes more monstrous. Mm. Yeah. Like, that, that's fair, yeah. Like, there's, there's, like, in the beginning, she's dancing at a car show. Uh, she, and, and she set up the idea that, like, because maybe she got hit in the head and she has the plate in her head that, like, she, uh, is not, uh, is either, um, emotionally stunted or something different or whatever and, like, cold, you know, whatever. So that's why there's, like, why she has sex with a car, why she dances on cars, why she wa- is sort of being objectified like cars. Mm. Um, and then throughout her, like the murder spree obviously doesn't bring her humanity back. Um, but through finding this father figure as acting as a, as a person different from herself, becoming this, uh, the son of this person. And then ultimately not even having that matter because the father actually loved her, Mm. Uh, and she will be, she will always be his son. Yeah. Like there's, there's, and and again, the father's falling apart too. The father is an aging firefighter who's trying to like reclaim, like surrounded by like just jacked firefighter young kids. And he's like the chief and like, he still has respect, but like he could see throughout many things, like he's doing steroids. He's trying to remain as fit as he can, but like age and time keeps going and his body gets more like, you know, we see it in more monstrous lights as we go. Whereas she, who is again, pregnant from the car, um, is slowly becoming more and more pregnant and having to decimate her body to try to bind it in a way to keep fi- keep this ruse up mm. for as long as she can. Um, but like, yeah, it. Well, I want to maybe try and situate this film in the sort of context of um, uh, a phrase that was coined by fr- uh, by film critic uh, James Quant, or uh, he was a film curator who came up with the phrase, the new French extremity. And uh, he, in many ways, he was using the phrase to be um, derisive of these types of movies. But there was, as he uh, noted, uh, a sort of outpouring of French films um, through the later part of the 90s and the early parts of the 2000s um, that were 
purposely transgressive. And as he wrote, uh, he, this is his uh, his. Um, uh, article about it. The critic sniffer, uh, truffle sniffer for trends that might call it the new French extremity. This recent tendency to be willfully transgressive by directors like Francois Ozon, Gaspar Noé, Catherine Bray, Philippe Grandio, and now uh, Bruno Doman. These movies are Bava as much as they are Batil, Salo, no less than Marquis de Sade, seeing the determinants uh, of the cinema suddenly determined to break every taboo, to wade in rivers of viscera and spumes of sperm, to fill each frame with flesh, nubile or gnarled, and subjected to all manner of penetration, mutilation and defilement. Images and subjects, once the providence of splatter films, exploitation flicks and porn, uh, uh, gang rapes, bashings, slashings, bindings, hard-ons, cannibalism, sadomasochism, incest, fucking, fisting, slices of cum and gore, proliferate in the high art environs, uh, or at their most immoderate, uh, at least assimilable or emanations of the artistic movement. Uh, does this kind of iridescent spirit of uh, incitement or confrontation reviling the hollowed Gallic traditions of the film Mordet or uh, the less bourgeois or more for account for the shock tactics employed by the recent French cinema? And uh, there, there, there are even earlier uh, uh, um, trends of this films like Man Bites Dog, which I don't know if you saw was basically no. uh, a documentary following a serial killer. Again, absurdly funny as but, this serial killer kills people in the most ridiculous ways. I uh, would argue, weirdly enough, that this film, that Titan, is actually a rebuttal of that entire thing you just said. Well, so what? What the interesting thing that happened is that he was de- derisive... Uh, de- deriding essentially this this new trend that he had seen but what many critics noted were that all of these films actually had were substantive and he basically he in essence uh his argument was was that they were slightly um uh provocative without substance and what more critics sort of uh argued against was that these films actually did have substance and were interesting provocations and what what he sound especially with a film like Gaspar Noé, for example, was that these films' provocations were really used to explore the taboo in interesting ways. Um, you know, a film I'm sure most people have talked about it at some point, or you know, like people who who know films, but you know, have thought about wanting to see Gaspar Noé's film Irreversible, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really difficult film to watch it's an incredibly difficult film to watch um but it is substantive in the in the way that it deals with time and, and what it wants to say about the nature of time and Noah has kind of been following that path for a while um Catherine Brie for example with uh her films uh Amasseur or uh Romance um you know again very transgressive in that they're fo- they, they feature um uh I, I believe Amasseur features uh, underage sex, romance features full penetration, and these are movies about love that that are fully, you know, somewhat transgressive to the natural order of the way we think those movies would go. And I think Ducarnau kind of neatly falls into that category, particularly with a film like Raw, which is about self cannibalization or cannibalization in general, um, and this film, which is about. Um, you know the body horror and the sort of fusing of the 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 body and metal. Um, you know it it also reminds me of Titsu. You know John um, uh, Titsu, the Iron Man, uh, the sh- uh, Shin Shin. Oh, what is his name? The uh, Sakam- uh, Shinya Shakamoto film, uh, which I saw in college as well. These these are like willful transgressions, willful absurdities that have something to say about the human condition and and do so not just for the spirit of like provocation but also the spirit of like um engendering us with some ideas and and the film that i actually thought about a lot uh when watching that was <laughs> oddly was was malignant i did think uh, oh, no. about the body horrors of malignant which were played for the sort of more i guess westernized uh sense of schlock, uh, schlock you know terror um, you know, sort of momentary, oh my God, what am I watching thing? And then it goes away. This is a film which uh, which features all of that sort of, el- all those sorts of moments, but stays under your skin because of the way it essentially fuses them with an emotionally resonant story. As you kind of pointed out, this is ultimately a film about um, two people finding each other and finding a form of love and a new a new bond is formed. Um, and and it and done so 
with the understanding that these two people are deceiving each other. You know, like these are two people that are like purposely deceiving each other. Something I took from this movie, and it doesn't really click until the very end where he, Vincent, helps her deliver the baby. Yeah. Um, Love is fucked up. Like, mm-hmm. like in general, in real life, love is fucked up. Yeah. The key to love that I, you know, I, I try to, to follow and find, and it is, it is, you know, it is, it's hard to sort of admit, but I, I, I use the lighter version of this and I'll say like the truther version of this. It's okay if the person that you're with has baggage, just make sure your baggage matches. Right. The more complicated version of that is... When and what I think this movie is trying to say, and this isn't just romantic love, this is familial love. This is this is the concept of love, the like deep affection for another human being in one way or another. I think this movie is saying even the most broken people can find the matching puzzle piece to their jagged edges. Like, and and it comes in in such a terrible odd weird way like why would this multi-murdering cold car fucking woman (laughs) right like how would that work with an aging firefighter who lost his son and and now is sort of trying to recapture his youth while going through mourning and living a very lonely solitary life while being respected by those around him like stranger things have happened but like in this movie those two puzzle pieces by the end fit perfectly together and it doesn't matter because they love each other. Like I and I think what well, well I think what the film kind of ultimately gets into is that is that, that love is is temporary but functional for these two characters, right? Like she eventually passes away, but there's a new body formed of it. And I think and I, and I took that I took the baby as sort of like that's sort of the representation of its sort of like a, like the actual love itself existing. Right. Like, um, but but also um, a couple of things. Well, a couple of things that are really interesting about it is that there was there's a there's a the uh, the firefighter's wife uh, turns up at one point and mm-hmm. he basically says, "Look, my son is back." Yeah. yeah, and um, and you know the wife immediately knows that this is not the case. This is not her son, and also fi- you know discovers the truth of of um, the pregnancy uh, and, she, and of, she's a woman uh, immediately, and. You know, she recognizes it as okay. I, I, this is not what either of you think it is. You might be deceiving yourselves into believing that this is real enough for now. Um, but you know, she kind of grabs and says, Imagine if you were not able to mourn your lost son, whatever you do, look after him, you know, like, and and I think that that's this beautiful thing, which is that. Which is not saying that your baggage matches as in you guys, you know, like are perfectly suited for each other. But in this moment, you're going to have to make this work because you are together now. And and I think that is a really beautiful sentiment for this movie. It is, again, monstrous. And I think the, the manifestation of the body horror in this movie is meant to be monstrous. Yeah. Um, so for some reason the chrome belly really got me. Oh yeah, the chrome belly and the uh, the, the 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 leaking of uh, uh, motor oil of motor oil uh, is is it's horrifying. But also I think the movie is also really clever in terms of the way it creates and plays with gender um, as well. You know, in terms of like uh, stripping away. You know, she purposely strips away her sexuality and her gender. And and is then thrust into this entirely masculine world, which is lit in the sort of beautiful pink neon with overtones of homoeroticism. Well, and it's then funny. It, it's funny. It's not even. It's interesting. Yes, there's some overtones of homoeroticism, but also the thing that I noted was like Vincent. Case in point, was like the most free and happy while he was dancing. Yeah. I don't find that homoerotic. I find that breaking a gender norm. Yeah, like, I, I, like, I think the scene where they're all dancing together. And 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 it's lit with this sort of beautiful pink light, um, and then but but the interesting thing that happens is that when when um, uh, we should actually use some character names here, um, when Vincent Alexia. Alexia when Alexia starts dancing and she basically uh, she he they them uh, uses the sort of uh, 
performative rituals that they were using at the car show where they were objectified as a you know female body against a, a vehicle when they start dancing in that way the the sort of the troop rejects that immediately and it's they sort of, actually do and don't they do and don't yeah it's it's a sort of weird interplay where and and it's as you're watching it it's odd to sort of you're watching her do the sort of performative qualities of the female dance that she had done, which was through the male gaze at the beginning of the film. And then now that she has been transformed, uh, uh, you know, through the course of the film into a male, that dance is unusual to watch. And it's like the body moves and contours in ways that you're not expecting it to because, and we've just watched the sequence of men dancing and it's like, it's it's physical and it's, it's barbaric and fist bumps. It, yeah, That's it's really fit, what you know, it is. like it's, it's and then when she sort of dance, uh, when they dance sensually, it's 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 sort of it's startling. You know, it's incredibly startling, and you know the audience feels it and the the characters feel it, and then but but um, Vincent um, realizes who is part. You know who this person is. Uh, probably not in that moment, but but knew it before it's then. The, it's the and final nail it. in the coffin of. But accepts of, it, yeah. you know, like you know, he accepts it and and says, "Look, you will always be my son, no matter what, no matter what this is." And I, and I, I think that's that's oddly beautiful. Like, again, I found for the most of the film, I just enjoyed the roller coaster of it all. Um, and I think, you know, again, there's a part of me that that says. If it hadn't have won Khan, this is just such a fun movie to like throw on and watch. Um, right. But because it won Khan, we have to we we feel like we have to take it seriously. But I don't think we do. I think we should enjoy it. It's it's like it is these visceral pleasures in its absurdity and its strangeness and its oddity. And I think the other thing is is that like there's just very few movies like that that you know make such a huge impact, and they should be celebrated. You know, like they. It's, I think it's, you know. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with the sentiment, but I disagree with how you got there, which I think is fine because people will just take different things away from this. I think this is a movie that is meant to be enjoyed, but I also think it's meant to be enjoyed seriously. Hmm. Like, I don't, I don't find. Yes, are there extreme, ridiculous things that happen? Yes, but they were presented in a hyper serious way, which made them feel awkward on occasion, and rightfully so. But like. I I feel like the 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 golden them hills of this film is is for, for me anyway uh and I'm I'm super happy that you sort of took a a different tact to it is found in the serious contemplation of the emotional resonance and journey that these characters kind of go on um and and I don't think you could get like I said before you couldn't get to those heights in the way that this movie did if not for all of the ridiculous, terrible shit that happened before, because it kind of helps fuel that whole section, because it's 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 changing your expectations, mm. and it 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 makes its again what it lacks in narrative linearity and and sort of structure in that regard. Like it makes up for making you feel something you were not expecting continually. Um, and I think it's hyper effective, and and I'm I, I this is this is I, this is one of the only times here where I feel like we're both saying that we love the movie for a very different reason, and I and I it would be a disservice to the film for me to try to convince you that like no my way is right because there is no right way. Like I'm glad you got your enjoyment of it from that sort of humorous um uh sort of like absurdity point. Because that's obviously uh, a worthwhile exercise in watching this as well. Um, and like, I, I will say, like, if we just sort of take a comparison to a film like Raw, uh, her previous Which I have movie, not seen, so I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. You know, where I didn't find that movie particularly funny because I found the the actual extremities by which that film was playing by were close enough to reality to make me more cringe or or actually like withdraw in a physicality of it you know like seeing bodies being cut up and yeah. and decimated and that sort of thing but is having disturbing. a baby with a car but fucking you a from... car and like you know having a middle uh, uh, a middle fetus and and uh motor oil leaking out uh and you know like taking the time to break your nose and then convincing people that you know like you are now this other person 
I did find that funny. I found that absurdly funny. Um, and, and I think because it's so far removed from like a kind of reality that, that I even found the way that the orchestrations of her murderous spree at the begin at the beginning of the film mostly funny. I, I, I think to begin with, when we don't know who this character is, um, you know, like when she's biting the nipple um, all right. the way down, like that is that's difficult to watch and it's and it's painful. And then when she but then when she starts murdering the other people in the house and then sort of has to sigh because there's more people and it's absurd that she overpowers like these enormous men, you know, like in this house and like kind of manages to to murder everybody in this house. I just found that like transgressively funny. I, I think Yeesh. it was like it was playfully hilarious to me, you know, and and, it, <laughs> and in a great way. Like I really enjoyed it. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> for 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 either watch it with your eyes closed and. <laughs> reeling in horror or watch it with your eyes wide open laughing out loud what you're going to do one of these two things if you're if you're taking our or point a combination of view on this. yeah <laughs> can you but imagine no, I... both of us in the movie theater sitting next to each other watching this It'd be very and weird. you like cur- like you know pressed up against your seat and me just like howling with laughter yeah it'd be weird <laughs> hey maybe this is maybe this is one more strike in the watch it at home by yourself category <laughs> no uh uh anyway i I, I, I would say watch this movie. Uh, get some more eyeballs on it. Where I, I would be curious. Write us in. Onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Where did you land with this movie? If you liked it, are you in one of Shahir, in your Shahir's camp, my camp, or a completely different one? Because, again, I think if, if this film and life has taught us anything, it's not just a binary decision at that point. So yeah. let us know what you thought of it. Um, and also, if you, I would love to hear someone who didn't like this movie. I'm sure there's a lot. I, I'm, I'm sure, sure. I'm sure there's a lot of people like th- this is the kind of movie that's meant to provoke and piss off some people. You know, yeah, it's, it's going to uh, do it. You get yeah. you ju- you only need to go to the IMDb uh, reviews or uh, the oh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, audience reviews uh, to to see like people going, "What the fuck is this?" and "Why did I watch?" You know, "Why yeah. did I watch this?" Sure. <laughs> well, anyway, this has been the only podcast about the film Titan. Uh, Shahir, when you are not. Uh, making your way through bargain basement indie car shows, looking for love. Where can folks find you? Oh, you make me sound like Lizard Shoot Larry. Uh, my name. Uh, you can find me on my website www.shahirdad.com. That's S H A H I R D A U D. Matt, when you are cleaning up the oil spills off the bottom of your seat, where can people find you? You can find me just using the quicker picker upper over at my website m a t t h e w k r o l dot com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four P R E Z on Instagram and Emperor M S K on Twitter. Uh, also, please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. I believe uh, they will, by this time we'll have a bunch of different stuff out for So You Haven't Read. I think we'll have To Kill a Mockingbird out. We might even have... Um, Who hasn't uh, read To Kill a Mockingbird at this point? Uh, like, isn't it prescribed I, in every high school? Well, we talk about the prescription. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's it's a catchy name, but also, yeah, like, you know, some people might have read it, but we talk about different sort of things around it. Uh, yeah. And we'll be uh, neck deep, uh, if not finished, with our Conquest of India series, the historical paradox that it was. Hmm. Um, so please check that all out. Um, um, can I ask you a question? After you, I noticed that you guys did a uh, So You Didn't Read uh, Dracula, which I actually yes. read a couple of years ago. Uh, does that make you want to watch the do the uh, the it Francis really Ford Coppola? Does. It really I does. I fucking love we the Francis Ford Coppola film. I, I wish love I tied it, it so much. I wish I tied it to Halloween, but um, too yeah. many other vampire things were going on. I love that movie yeah. with uh, an unabashed passion, even though it has a, a very bad performance in it's, it. <laughs> it's a it's been years since I've watched it, so I'd yeah. be curious to revisit it again. We should definitely do it at some. Oh, uh, it's 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 maniacal and gleefully. Uh, weird and awesome in every way. No, that'd be very fun. Uh, Well, until next time, everyone, we'll talk at your ears whenever you want. There's like 300 and something episodes. You can go and and look at them. Oh, and also shout out, we're on Nebula now. That's the thing. We're on Nebula. We're in the stars. We're in the stars. We we shot for the moon and we said, fuck you, moon. It's better out here in the Nebula. 
Yeah. Uh, that's how the saying goes, right? I'll I'll, I'll oh. talk to I'll talk to them over there and I'll see if we can get that as the tagline. Uh, it's a <laughs> great like... streaming service. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't heard of it yet on any of the other stuff that I do, um, and it's bundled with Curiosity Stream, you can go check that. out. We don't have a promo code or anything. It's just uh, they're nice enough to host us because they like uh, they like they like us it. small I, creators. I, I, I have not met anyone at Nebula, and I would love to like bump into them and like be like, hey, I've got a show on your network. Yeah. <laughs> and, be like, and they'd be like, who the fuck are you who's this guy <laughs> yeah, yeah um well uh oh and actually weirdly enough I, I i if if these two things have happened i'm speaking directly to you fictional listener in my brain if one you'd never listened to an episode of this before uh before you saw the ad on extra credits hi welcome hello and two uh what did you think of animated us what Hell did you yeah. think of us fighting each other and and punching us in a studio? I I, I thought that came out very nice. Shout out to uh, to uh, Scott Dewitt uh, for doing that lovely art. Uh, apologies to Scott Dewitt for having to look up my phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, we'll talk at you next time. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Don't fuck any cars. All right.